every once in a while, and in fact, kind of a lot, when I am texting my wife or something, and I'm about to do something or something that makes me nervous, uneasy, whatever it, it could be, I'll text her and say, pray for me. And then on my uh, um, iPhone, that has a little icon face that makes this nervous face. And I probably use that face more than anything. And if I'd had any heads up and thought of that before I walked up here, I'd have gave that idea to Lorraine and she could have put that picture up. Because that's where I am right now. Because I want to again go back to brokenness. But you see, I think we have a preconceived idea in our head what that is. It's like, you know, probably next to the last or third to the last on your list you want to hear. And worse than that would be suffering. And then the last thing would be hearing about hell. And so you get to hopefully that you'll understand this. Brokenness is not like, okay, God says, okay, it's time to break every one of your legs. Do you remember the shepherd would do that? He would break the leg of the sheep. Not all the sheep. He would break the leg of the one that kept running away. It would find that little crack in the fence and get out and wander off into a pasture where he was not unprotected and the wolf was out there. And so God would break that, or the shepherd would break that leg, put the sheep on his shoulders, carry him, tend him, take care of him, love him even more special. So it's not like, okay, you need broken. Come here, Bruce. And he breaks your leg. Okay, march your hair. Now, Kim, your turn. And I think we get that in our minds, that that's what God's going to do. Or you serve him all these years, and he's making this vessel, and you have <clears throat> one little hiccup in it, and he's going to shatter you to pieces because that's what he does. He loves breaking. No, it's not what we're talking about. So you see, when we start relying on our own ability. It creeps in us. It creeps into us. We start relying on our own ability, our own strength, our own talents, our own beauty. Seriously, it's time to be broken. <clears throat> it's a good thing then. Or you have that streak in you like that sheep that always wanders. God breaks you to protect you. We have prayerlessness in America because we're not broken. We're like, we'll do it. We'll rebuild those towers. And so we really have a prayerlessness that seeps, seeps into the church. And you're like, by these hands, I'll hang in or I'll do it. And no, mean to. We're not trying to throw God out. We know that we should pray. And, but there's that, there's that thing in us, and it only comes out by brokenness a lot of times in life you get a blind side and end up with a broken jaw really for real and then it sets incorrectly and the doctor said sorry man i need to re-break that jaw so it works and so god will break things again if it doesn't set right something horrible is in your, happens in your life someone lets you down a pastor betrays you and your bones set but they're you're set crooked god said i need to do this for you we pray when we are broken we pray 
because we are broken. So when prayerlessness starts to set in, becoming crusty, set in your ways, even without you realizing. And so brokenness is a good thing if you find yourself in that situation. So you don't have to fear this thing. How would you like a doctor never to refix the arm that grew different or the jaw that will not work right or the neck? And all he had to do was just put you out and re-break it as horrible as all that sounds, but to fix it and to make you function proper and better the rest of your life. And that might only last till you're 70 plus. This is an eternal, eternal thing. So at times in life, we need to have God do that in our lives. Bitterness gets trapped up inside of you for things, and it gets crusted over, and you got through it, and God's like, no, no, that's got to come out. That has to come out. A scripture here, and then we're going to show you, we're going to pray, then you can be seated, and I'm going to just show you a little clip. 1 John 2, 6. It's an amazing verse. Not long, probably not talked about a lot, but it's an amazing verse. Simply says this. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. That's a mouthful. There it is. Look at it. He that saith he abideth in him. And I do. I want to abide in the Lord. I want to live in him and him and me. Ought himself, me. It's talking about me. Ought himself also to walk even as he walked. And again, we got to go back to how do we know how he walked? So if he's in me and I'm in him and his words in me, but I hid in my heart that I might not sin against me, it changes my walk. I ought to walk like he walked. And if I don't, you're playing church. And so brokenness is something we want to look into again. Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight again in the name of the Lord. And Father, I thank you for the group of people that have assembled here tonight to worship you, to lift up hands, Lord, anxious to hear the word of Almighty God. And Lord, I pray that you would just take the nervousness out that we could truly understand, Lord, that brokenness is the key to that prayer life that we so much long for and desire, Lord. Father, we go through, we can go through tomorrow, Lord, and maybe never pray because we think we can accomplish everything, Lord, that is set before us that day, not realizing again, Lord, that the Word tells us without you we can do nothing. So how can we not come to you, God? for everything, even now, even this moment. Father, if you don't come, then we just spend time in a building. Lord, we need the power of God in our lives. So I'm praying now, God, and just simply asking that the Spirit of God would be welcome in this place to come to make this simple message understood by these people and cherished something that they will hang on to and change their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. One of the reasons why we need to understand and need to have brokenness is found in Romans chapter 7. <clears throat> Romans chapter 7, verse 13 says this, 
Was then that which is good made death unto me? It's a question by Romans, Paul in Rome, writing to Christians. He said, God forbid, but sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Now, can anybody relate with that last verse? Seriously, can you, can you really? Why, oh why, oh why? That's the reason we need brokenness. That's what's in us. Paul, into the heavenlies, wrote three quarters of the New said, I am carnal. I'm saved and I'm born again. That carnal nature did not go away. In fact, it raised itself. It's been lifting weights lately. It wants to get stronger than the spiritual pastor, spiritual Joe. And as the war that goes on, Paul said, man, geez, why, oh, why, oh, why do I do the things I don't? You know, last week I was going to get up every morning and spend this time with God. I was going to take my tea, go on the back porch and just spend. And a week's gone. And not only did you not do that, you didn't even come close to doing it. You go, why do I do the things I hate so easily? And don't do the things. Because we have that carnal. We're sold under that carnal. And that thing can only come by brokenness. It can only come out by brokenness and staying broken. Romans 8, 7 says this. And here's why. Because the carnal mind. Every one of you have a carnal mind. I don't know how many people we have here. Let's say we have 80. Well, actually, we got 160. We have you, the spiritual person, and we have you, that carnal person. And a lot of times you can tell by worship which one's leading the fight. When a spiritual person, man, you're into worship and you're lost and you're serving God. And, and that's what we must strive to do. And so, but God tells us in Romans 8, 7, that because the carnal mind is enmity against God. And I must have defined that word 50 times in the 20 years of this church. Enmity, enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So there are 80 of you in this room that can't be persuaded. Neither can be. Take this God stuff. That's in us. Us. Not you. Us. That's in us. That carnal mind. That fall from Adam. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. And I've told you what that word enmity means over and over and over and over. I don't know if it happened to my wife this morning. She gets all dolled up. I love it. And today she's off to the nursery. Well, it'll take one little puke. To ruin all that, right? I mean, take a, an hour and a half getting ready and take one little puke from a little one-month little character that doesn't even have much in his stomach, and all of a sudden you're ruined. But that's what that word means. Enmity is throw up. It's like puke. The things of God to the 80 other of you people, it's like throw up, stench. One time when they were tra traveling to acquire the fire, and back in the... It was Julian. Back in there, got him in the van. Off they went. They're just, you know, they're like stuffed in there like sardines. We get them in there. And on the road, you know, the, 
over they pull and all the doors fly open because Julian just couldn't handle it. As a young boy, he just threw up the whole band, the whole everything was ruined. That's what 80 of you, of us, are like when it comes to the things of God. That's what the things of God is like to you. And that's why we need broken. It's an absolute must. Okay, now listen, here's some more reasons. Let's just look at it. Maybe, uh, too bad we don't have a little fireside chat or something I can have with us tonight. Because really, seriously, think about us. Us, you and I, the, the other 80. Or maybe we can think and talk to about the, the other 80 and how sometimes they do pretty good. So I want to talk to that 80. The good for nothing of you 80, I'm not talking to you right now. The other 80. We want to really, and seriously, pretty much all I know here, fairly good, think you all have a desire to be like Jesus. But if we get really serious, to be really, really like Jesus, if we were to be honest, as honest as we could be, do you really want to be like Jesus? Do you really want to become like Christ? The Scripture 1 John says we ought to walk like Him. Good 80, say amen. Bad 80, don't say a word. It's just the truth. There's two of you. Case in point. We admire his humility. God's humility? Are you kidding me? He stand there and didn't say a word. He created everything. He's giving breath and making the lungs push and work and exhale the words that are coming out of Pilate's mouth. What's the truth? And he doesn't say a word. Do you really want to be that humble? That's what Jesus is like. We got to be broken. We got to have that brokenness in our life. We think it's absolutely beautiful that he would wash the feet of his disciples. That service to this day, seriously, to this day, is the most sparse, my wife comes all the time. She's sitting in a different place. Where are you, Ruth? 35 people do we have? And we expect 11 of ours to show up. We think it's beautiful. That he, how could he would, God, absolutely awesome and beautiful that he would wash the feet of his disciples. But is that really a goal of your life? And are you heading in that direction of servanthood? Oh, that I could die to self and ego and pride. I can't wait for that foot washing service. I'm going to kill this flesh. I'm going to serve God. Is that a goal? We're just being honest, right, 80? You're acting like the other 80 right now. Seriously. And we're also just in admiration and beyond our intellect and so thankful that they may spit on him that he didn't react at all. I, but we would never let that happen. This is why brokenness is needed. Seriously. We love the fact that he laid down his life, laid down his rights, 
laid down everything. But you and I, man, we get pretty hot and defend, want to defend ourselves. We're just, picture the fire going, we're just having a chat. Really like what Jesus, what we are to be like. Ought we not be like this? If He's in us and we in Him, we ought to walk like He walked. In that humility, that's what brokenness is. Humility. God, I can't do nothing without You. I can't do nothing without You. It's not like, let's have a brokenness service, now there. No, it's a life of humility, submission, yes, Lord, to God. <clears throat> we sing songs, we love them, because He loved you enough to suffer His entire life. But man, we're really not willing to suffer. What if God would call this 80 to glorify Him through suffering? It's part of this gospel. And we don't want to hear it. We get rigid and our jaws and our necks and the only thing that's going to work is brokenness. If not, I will walk in my pride after I learned so much about this. I will act in my Ruth was telling me a story that was told to her by her sister. Some unbelievable, beautiful and big and growing church in the South. Just unbelievable. I think uh, just uh, some of the statistics and whatever might be off, but the end result is still on. I remember what she said was just opened or just reopened or just redid everything in multi-million. Beautiful. Pastor, they loved him. Now, I don't know how they figured it out, but he was arrested for murdering his wife and sawing her in pieces. Put her heart under the new sanctuary. Look, look, 80. That's what we do. We can do that. That other 80 takes over. He's in the pulpit doing a message, maybe like this on brokenness three years ago. I don't know what. This is what happened. This is why you cannot stiffen your neck against the things of God and the Word of God. Because our fall can be, it just can unbelievable. So these, this being really like Jesus, I mean, especially that the foot washing thing. I mean, really, I want to say, is that, is that your goal? See, if you've been here long enough, you know every, what day is it? Before, before Good Friday, we wash feet. And we have our little rolls that we think ought to work right. And it's always the sweetest, most humil humble, no, uh, it's a yeah, time of just a, a bonding and people weeping and coming together. But most of us go, mm, I don't need that. No, I'm not doing that. No, no, not going to do that. Not going to. That's a sign of the jaw being set wrong. It is. It's in all of us. All of us. Sometimes I've got to pass the word down to the secretary. All right, put it in the bulletin. <laughs> Foot washing. 
Because a lot of times I'm not like, oh, I know. No, it's in that's that carnal. It can't stand it. Humble? What? Humble? They ought to all wash my feet. That's in that fallen carnal nature that must go. It must go or we'll be lousy servers. Seriously, you're trying to serve the lost, you'll be going, here. I'm serious. This is an absolute essential for us. Matthew 21, 44 says, And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. So either way, you're going to end up in pieces. 80. The other 80 of you is just damnable. The only thing that we can do with them is just wait to be uh, for it to die. And you'll be released from that fallen nature when you see Christ face to face. But this other 80 that I'm supposed to be talking to that should be being stirred every once in a while wanting to say amen, that one needs to listen. The other one wants to distract you and have you leave and, and tune out and wait till I'm done. This is horrible. I can't stand this. And, but it says, whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. In other words, 80, you should be saying, man, that's true. I've forgotten. I need this. Yes, I remember. You need to fall on the stone. Oh, God. And you fall on that stone. I'm so sorry, Lord. Lord, I can't believe what I became. I can't believe I said that to that person. Whatever it is that God reminds you of. But God says to the rest of the 80 that's in, I ain't doing no way. Forget that. God says, okay, the rock's going to fall on you. This is Scripture. This is Bible. That word fall means to descend from a higher place to a lower. To fall prostrate before God. You might think this is silly. Somebody, somewhere, if not a bunch of people, have to be praying for Tiger Woods. First athlete ever, ever, through his name and his ability and his trademarks and all that stuff, made $1 billion. Ever. Ever. Now the guy can't even golf right. That, that doesn't make any sense. It's not like he's my age and he can't. He's 34. He came last golf. He was 10 over. Missed a cut. Sent him home. The greatest golfer ever. There's a humbling going on. Whether he'll get it or not, I don't know. I have no clue. A couple football players in the past two years have come out of prison. Michael Vick spent almost two years in prison for doing that dog thing. And Plexico Burris spent, I think it might have been two years in prison because he had a gun in a nightclub. And one of the first things out of all like the football talk is, do you think he's changed? And they, they want to look for that remorse and that, you know, that brokenness. And because most of the time athletes or millionaires or tons of money are above the law. And a lot of times we let them. And all of a sudden, they come crashing down. And usually, they're of a different spirit, at least for a while. But if in God, you are to remain, God says to fall, to descend from a higher. If you, through your abilities and gifting, and even God recognizing you and lifting you up, don't handle it right, God will send you back down. Christ. 
Because even as he lifts you up and sends you, you never leave this plateau. You're supposed to never leave this plateau. And out of all of us, I think I can say, I don't mean anything by this. This is even dangerous. Out of all of us, I am the, um, what would be the word? The biggest prey of this. Because just through the effort to trying to serve God and shake this city and dust this, I get phone calls from people who want in prayer and political positions. I'm like, what? You could run up that, that ladder because that's what the other 80 wants to do. And the other 80, God is just saying, can I just trust one person to stay right here in brokenness and humbleness and representing me not going up one step, just stay right here so I can humbly use him in people's lives instead of the hobnob and the who's who. And As a church, how awesome would that be, 80? How awesome would it be? I don't know why I'm playing with that now. It means to descend from a higher place. Oh, God, I didn't mean to exalt myself above you. We do. We get tricked. We get... It's, it's, it's sly how it happens to us. Matthew 4, 9 says, And he said unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. That's what it means. That's what the devil was saying. Man, just descend from that high, lofty, almighty God that you are and worship me. Same word. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. That's why every service we try almost every time can't say 100%, almost every time have a season for you to come down to this altar and fall on this. Oh, God, I need help in this area. Lord, I still have this habit. I still do what I shouldn't. God, I still got a problem with that. You fall on this. Brokenness. Jesus said unto them, Did you never read in the Scripture the stone which the builders rejected? The same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This stone that you are falling on is Christ. God, I don't know how to be a husband. I don't know how to be a father. You fall on this. You proclaim the things of God, and that you're a Christian, and you're wearing His name, and you're living contrary. You better look up. sky starts to get dark around you. There's a big old stone ready to fall on you. When God does that, when how long He waits, I don't know. I know He's long-suffering. But after a while, if you don't, He will. Years ago, one of the biggest things that shaked through the Christian community was in uh, um, Pastor Jimmy Swigert had that tremendous collapse. That was the stone falling. God gave him multiple times, probably more than you and I ever know, about just doing it with Him and God alone. In the book I read about him, he said he said it was the time in his life that there was nowhere for Jimmy Swaggart to go to. Who could he go to? That would be my, like me, okay? All you guys, you love God. All you men, you love God, you love me, and I'm saying you're not good enough for me to go to. To say, Ed, oh, Ed, I gotta, please pray with me. Bruce, Bruce. I can say, Ed, Bruce, who are they? I'm, I'm Jimmy Swaggart. That's what happens to us 80 without that brokenness. We all suffered from that. We're all wounded from that. And so this form of of brokenness is a form of humility, 
realizing. <clears throat> Happened to me this morning. I didn't mean it to, but it just did. I don't know. Whatever reason, alarm went off. Kind of blinked a little bit, you know. Well, here I go. Off in the shower, getting all dooted up, coming out. And Ruth said, you didn't pray for me. You didn't pray with me was the word. I mean, what's, what's wrong with that? Alarm goes off, both of you, and you just pray for a minute and then go. See, at times we don't even, we just go. Because we figure whatever we're doing, we can handle, we can do. I can drive the car, I can go to work, I can do my job. That's just the mercy and the grace of God letting you do it. And so God is just informing you, you and I, that today, through the messages, man, you got to remember. The Lord is always quick to tell us that we are quick to forget Him. You watch this commercial, you'll see it. It's, it's just been running. Oh, it's about autism. The, the uh, percentage of autism. I'm going to make up percentages because uh, I don't know what they are. They have this little picture of this 12-year-old girl. <clears throat> you know, it just looks like a homemade picture. What's the odds that this... Uh, how'd they say it? Uh, uh, minister's daughter would be recognized for her singing ability. It was like one in 10 million. And then she went on, to, what's the odds that this daughter would then, I don't know, win this one thing? It was like one in 15 million. You know, what's the odds? And every time they're giving you an odd that this person has, she's changing from that little sweet who sang in the choir for God. And she's talking about, what's the odds that she'd win the globe and act and move, and her chest hanging out, dress up to here. And I'm thinking, holy smokes, God. They don't even realize what they're showing us. I'm not talking about legs. I'm talking about how the, the change from how there was, she was singing for God. And now, being recognized and wooed by the world, how she was changed. You'll see it. And then what happens is she's some famous person, and she's sitting by her son. Because he goes, rewinds, goes all through her life real fast. He's sitting there, growing up with her son, who has autism. What's the odds? It's like one in 300. I hope you see it, and you can see the change from someone serving God and changing right in front of your face. That's what happens without staying humble and broken for God and being able to be used by God and staying in the channel that God has you as the world tries to woo you away. I told one of our teens today, was walking in here, giving me a hug and how much she loves me and all this kind of stuff. I said, yeah, okay, cool. That's nice. Thank you. I said, tell me that three years from now when unsaved Billy is talking to you. It's the truth. I'll still do that. And she was standing with other ladies. And I said, all right. Because that's what happens if you don't stay humble. 
oh, you think I'm pretty? That I did. I told her, you'll be going, Pastor who? That's what happens to us without this staying humble and broken. And look at the 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 danger of this all is obviously to the 80. The other 80 want nothing to do with it. Okay? It's the 80. And every time, listen, and this shouldn't stop you, but it does a lot of people, that 80 needs to step out and do stuff for God. And the more you step out for God and the more you accomplish for God, the dangerous this becomes. The danger in God for us carnally minded yet struggling to serve God and be spiritual is success. It is. Because that other 80 wants to kick in and go, man. And it took, what, what, 20 years, 21 years for them finally to talk me into a softball team? What do you think they did? They went out and won a, looked like a 12-foot golden idol, second place trophy. And I'm going, what do you want me to do with this? I was like, put it in a mezzanine. Because, see, that's, it's a truth. That's what, you know, got this big, it's somewhere out there on the floor on the side. Check it out and see how big it is. And they're laughing and they're saying, we want to take a vote and say we don't need a church kitchen. We want a trophy room. Because that's what we do. That's what that corner, the other 80. And without you staying humble, especially staff and people who really are into the helping of the ministry, oh man, you are the ones. All of us. But there are different degrees. That's just the way it is. Jeremiah 31, 19 says, Surely after that I was turned, I repented, and after that I was instructed, I smote upon my thigh. I was ashamed, yea, even confounded, because I did bear the reproach of my youth. And that's an awesome word. Jeremiah feels the brokenness in his life and how he let God down. Here, in this part. Surely, after I was turned, I repented. After that, I was instructed. That word instructed means to perceive and see. Find out and discern is what it means. To finally understand. It takes a work of the Spirit sometimes. I can see so plainly something in your life and you can't see it. And vice versa. And a lot of times in the pastoral life, you know, you get this big thud and you finally run into the wall and you're sitting there and going, oh. and I come back and talk to you and you can see now. You can understand. You can perceive. How could I not see that? That's what happens to us without the brokenness of God in our lives. That word confounded means to be humiliated. What's sad would happen to Brother Swigert, I loved his teaching in the Word, trusted his Word, loved it, just loved it, okay? But what would be more tragic? Him missing heaven? Oh, yes, absolutely horrendous. Okay, so kind of wind us down. I told you this morning as we were looking into God, pouring out His Spirit in the last days, how you got to get your eyes off of all the horrendous things that are happening because it can make us undone. And then you miss the part of God wanting to pour out His Spirit. 
and how that if you miss it in the fear, you become stagnant and foul. And talked about that pond at the golf course and how horrible it was. And that's what we become without God breaking us and causing our scent to be fresh. Receiving from God and giving. Receiving from God and giving. It's an absolute must. I told you that God only uses broken things. Luke 18.11 says this, The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Now, that's a bold-faced lie, but he probably didn't believe it. He's living this life that he thinks resembles holiness. You can claim, you can change your outer looks and clothing. It has nothing to do with holiness. The Pharisee stood there and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. And then he names all this stuff. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. The publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And God says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbled himself shall be exalted. This is the way. Up with God is down, 80. The other 80 doesn't get that, nor ever will get it. Up in God is down, is submission, humbleness, dependency, prayerfulness, servanthood. That's up in God. The publican prayed seven words compared to the Pharisees' 34, and he confessed being a sinner. 1 John 1, 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. You understand that doesn't mean that some sin that Margie might be convicted of by the Holy Ghost that she's got to run around and tell everybody. No, no. We can't handle that the other 80 will kick in and tell the other 80 that will tell the other 80 and will kill much. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confessed his and forsake them shall have mercy. Confession usually comes from a broken heart. Your little child, did you do that? No. Did you do that? No. Did you do that? No. Just look. Just tell me one more time the truth. Just tell Daddy the truth. Did you do that? No. And you fire because you saw the whole thing. And then afterwards, you just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we do. Here, at the altar, with God. Proverbs 21.4 says, A high look in a proud heart is sin. It's just sin. That's what it is. It's sin. High means to be raised, to be uplifted, be exalted. The exact opposite of a Christian's life. The exact opposite of a Christian's life. The word look means physical eye as showing mental and spiritual quality. Man, God slapped me one time really, really hard. 
more than one time, just one time. It was a national day of prayer in front of the uh, steps. You know, we were in behind the scenes and and creating this and putting it on and wanting it to be spiritual and holy and awesome and perfect people that will speak the Word of God and all that. And I, I walked up amidst the crowd on the down part and one lady just wanted to give me a little pamphlet. This is who we're praying for. And I just went, yeah, I know. I mean, that was really all I said. But there was, God knew there, there was like, I know. I mean, I helped organize this. Do you understand? I know. Yeah, I, I, there was the wrong 80. I mean, seriously, that, I wish I would have just humbly took it, said thank you, and just thanked her for wanting to do, that was, this was a long time ago. No, it really was. <laughs> It was, and I'm not justifying myself. It was a long time ago. But I hated that initial response. I mean, that whole thing, I was going, and she might never even thought anything ever about it, but I knew why I was saying I know. You must not know. My wife's that one right up there by the... We talk about this for months while you're not even thinking about it. Please, God, don't pass over me because of my unwillingness to be broken or for me being too blind to see I need broken and to stay in brokenness. Let's stand. Long time ago, I gave you this, told you God only uses broken things. Gideon's picture had to be broken. Might have been his favorite one. Might have been his one his mother gave him. Might have been one that he cherished that sat on a certain part in the house for a long time. But God gave him it, put the light in it, and he said, look, for this thing to work, for me to use you, you've got to break this picture. Break it. It had to be broken for it to be used. Haven't been all that dry this summer, but sometimes it's so, so dry, and those clouds come over. And they don't give any rain unless they're broken. They got life-giving water that the thirst of the dryness of the ground. A lot of times you'll see that in the Serengeti in Africa. There's been no rain. Those things have to break in order for rain to come. The soil, it's got to be broken. And for it, for it to be able to receive the seed and to produce life-saving food, it must be broken. You farmers next year, just throw corn on the on the field that has sat from October to March. It's got to be broken. The bread at communion. How are you going to have any kind of communion unless you break the bread? It has to be broken. The alabaster box. It was a sealed ceramic bottle with the neck was real thin that's what you broke didn't have a pop top didn't have a had to break it was the best she had and she put it on his feet and no wonder he said you see this woman she took the best she had and put it on my feet I'd be going no 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 this just got to be on your 
face God, just a dab here and a dab. This thing cost a year's wage. She poured it on his feet. Broken, ruined, never to be. 2,000 years, we're still talking about it. So our altar call will be simply that. An extension of this morning. Psalms 147.3 says, He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. God has a way taking your heart, breaking it, and you're just standing there, we're going, oh, it's ruined. And it ends up being the best thing that's ever happened to you. It's just absolutely amazing how he does it. So our altar call is this, whosoever. That means here's this 80. Whosoever of this 80 shall come down to this rock and fall on it shall be broken. See, it's a choice. God gives us a choice to minister from a brokenness or from a talent. To preach because you just know how now. You've done it so long. Or to preach from a brokenness. And God, I'm scared to death. Our altars are open. Please come.